I think it comes down to the fact that marketing is significantly impacted by a lot of the privacy regulation. So that is, they feel almost unfairly targeted. You're listening to Sustainable Compliance by Wired Relations. Hello, Sivan. Hello, how are you? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. And you? I'm doing great, I'm doing great. That's good. Sivan Solbjerg. Founder and consultant at uh, Raise Marketing, um, a company that helps you understand your data, improve your customer experience, and grow your business ethically. In other words, you're a you're a marketing person coming to uh, to privacy, and that's why I wanted to uh, to talk to you today because um, that's interesting. Is it? <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> So I'll get right to it. Um, grow your business ethically. Um, that's just a fancy way of saying grow slower, isn't it? Yeah, I think some people could say that, but it's not. It's not at all, actually. <laughs> I would I would actually say it's the opposite. It's the way to grow your business mm. faster because customers and clients, etc., currently are expecting for you to have a certain amount of trust and a certain amount of, let's call it ethics, or treat their data responsibly and um, and treat the world and the environment responsibly. So because there are these expectations, um, if you can show in an honest and transparent way that you are um, running your business and respecting their data and, you know, in generally behaving ethically, you will end up attracting more clients. The trick really is, do you know how to market the fact that you are doing it? And then if you do know how to do that, then mm. I do think it helps growth. And a few tests that we've done that has shown that. Um, it's an expectation. So you really don't have a choice anymore. So what you're saying is basically that trust is becoming a real a real driver for, for, for business. For sure. I think maybe not so much for businesses as for the clientele that they're serving or their customer base and therefore it becomes it for businesses that in the sense that since it's being it's expected from the customer base you're going to have to go along with that right because as they say the customer is always right or in this case you need to cater to your clientele they want you to run a trustworthy business they want to show that you're trustworthy then you better do that and that'll aid your growth and I, I think some would argue that what we what we see in reality is that that people will say that they care about their privacy, but the way they act, they don't really uh, do what we would expect them to do if they were caring about their privacy. Isn't that a, a, a paradox? It is, I think. You know, and you're right. There are a lot of studies. There's a recent study that I read about um, that they did in, in the Netherlands where they had exactly this where people are saying we are expected to care about our privacy, but do we really, and, and do we to the extent that we're expected to? And I think there is a little bit of a push and pull there, like almost a tug of war internally where people don't want you to use all their data and, and retarget you left and right and profile you. But at the same time, they don't want to go through all the hoops that they need to, to protect their data. Um, so I think it's more because we've very we've complicated the journey to protecting the data, and therefore it's easier, you know, to just not bother and 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 push it under the rug. 
But I'm seeing slowly just an internal circle. So that's just changing. I'm getting also a lot more questions from people who know what I do for work, but don't really understand. Um, you know, they're saying, hey, uh, what does this mean? And what does the cookie consent banner mean? And what does it really mean profiling or third party? So there is a, an interest slowly of saying, what are we agreeing to and what are we not agreeing to? But I think as privacy professionals, mm -hmm. we didn't do the best job at um, trying to communicate that. And therefore, with the lack of understanding, people don't understand how they want to protect their own privacy or not. So, so what you're saying is that there is a that that, that we're we haven't been able to uh, to tell exactly what people should be should be looking for and how they what they should do to protect their privacy. Yeah, I think it's an education bit, right? I mean, I don't know what you're mm. seeing out there, but I feel that let's say everyone that's not in privacy or maybe not in data. For them, this is a big unknown. Um, to tell you the truth, most yeah. marketers don't know what a cookie does. A lot of <laughs> privacy people don't know what a cookie does. So how are you going to explain that to somebody who is working at a bank? Right? And this has yeah. nothing to do with levels of IQ. This has to do strictly with the fact that we need to educate people as to what things do in, in regular terms so that they can understand. Um, And I and I just I really think it boils down to education with almost everything. I think you're right. I interviewed a researcher a couple of months ago. He'd done some research on this paradox of privacy, the fact that people actually say they care about the privacy, but they don't act according to it. And what he said was, well, it, it actually comes down to the fact that people, when they're online, they're tired and they are short on time. So, so they, 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 they need to have something that will, that, that they can sort of uh, revert to when they don't have the time to make a real decision. So I think the, the education part is, is probably right that, that the thing is that we think is so complex that we just react by saying, oh yeah, track me. Yeah. Please. But I love how he put that where he mentions that it's tiredness and shortness of time and that is mm. when you think about our day-to-day -day, even for us we go online and we are short on time we just need to see that content now we, need, we want to finish that bit of research we want to understand what's being said and what do we instinctually do hit the closest button that's going to get us to where we need to go and that in most cases is still the big, the big green <laughs> yeah, one the big green one exactly <laughs> out. you know and in most cases that is still the big except all even though there are obviously um discussions about that not being okay. So, yeah. I, and there is, you know, they call it consent fatigue for a reason. It's just, we have, mm -hmm. and it's going to happen with anything. You put the same box in front of people, people are going to ignore it. So now what do you put in front of yeah. people for them not to ignore it? And I don't know if mm -hmm. you've gone out of your way to read any of those cookie banners or consent banners, <laughs> but they're hard to understand. <laughs> they are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they they absolutely are, and I, I I think one one of my conclusions when I when I spoke to this uh, researcher was uh, that also as a company, and this has nothing to do with whether or not it's good for business, but as a as a as a company as an organization, we also need to make a decision whether our ethical compasses should be in the direction of what people actually want when they have the time to uh, make the decision and what people just 
do. And I personally, I think we should sort of direct our ethical compasses to what people are expressing when, when, when given the time to actually reflect on what they want us to do. Also, because if we don't do that, I, I think there's a risk that they will feel uh, betrayed um, because some of those who just say, okay, go, go track me, maybe they've at some point when we have a data breach or something else, they'll, they'll make another, they would have liked to make another decision and then, yeah, yeah get crossed. No, I mean, I'm sure they want to make another decision, but then there's also the other end of it where people actively choose that a company should be able to track mm -hmm. them. And then it's another element of if they track me, can I trust them with my data? And there are companies I choose that yeah. I, I want them to, you know, measure my behaviors on their website because it means I get a better experience, let's say. But I need to have, at that yeah. point, know that I really can trust them with my data. So I think there are two things yeah. you need to do there. You need to show that you're trustworthy so that you can get people's information, which is a way for businesses to grow, right? Um, or, or allow them to change it later on, which is also hard to do in most cases, where you can say, oh, now I've gained your trust. Let me give you my data so that we can work together better. So there are two sides yeah. of the coin. Um, obviously, if you don't want to be tracked, you should have the option. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the things you said, I've had a lot of uh, discussions with, with privacy people who will tell me that, ah, oh, this, is, this is good for privacy, it's good for business. And, and, uh, but that's sometimes in, in theory, you said that, that we need to be able to market it to how do we do that? How do we get better at telling people what we are, what we're doing? Yeah, I think that's a, <laughs> well, when we're doing well, <laughs> it's a big, it's a big question to tackle. Right. And then you have to decide, do you market yeah. privacy as a general, um, which the news is doing plenty for us, not necessarily in a good way. Um, but they are yeah. essentially letting that discussion start, right? All the breaches, the fines, et cetera, are allowing people to start thinking about it. That's one form of, let's say, PR, right? Which is similar to marketing. Yeah. But then there's also how do you communicate as a business the fact that you are respecting people's privacy and their data and that you're running a ethical company, let's say. How are you communicating that without it coming off as privacy washing or greenwashing? So yeah. I think a lot of it is that obviously your actions matter. Um, transparency matters. Using clear and concise language. I mean, I feel like I'm quoting the GDPR here because I'm using their words, right? Clear and concise, transparent. But this is ultimately what it comes down yeah. to. And, and, um, and, you know, collecting minimal amount of data. Like we said, data minimization. I mean, these, all these principles are essentially what we need to practice and then communicate well. Mm -hmm. And the communication bit is where the marketing comes in, I think. It's just if we learn how to speak to our customers and the language that they like to use, then they'll be will be understood better. And I think that's where we start. Currently our issue is that we speak yeah. to everyone the same way. And it's usually in some dry legalese, which is not necessarily yeah. accessible um, by everyone else. So if you can talk yeah. to them in your tone of voice or your business tone of voice, already there you've changed it. And it's not just when you're showing a consent banner. It's in your privacy notice. 
make it short, concise, do a short version and a long version, you know, um, you know, a lot of companies I've noticed now do a privacy notice and then they have the legal bit and you can link to it and you can see the big legal document, make it clear what it is you're doing. And the moment people understand what you're doing, they're going to trust you more and then they can decide what they want to decide. It's the same with data subject rights access, like access requests, right? Some of those letters you get back, no one understands them. Like if I'm asking for what data you have, make it simple and clear so that I can learn to trust you. So I don't suddenly come to you, oh man, I didn't understand that, so delete it all. And and this is where I think marketing can help a lot. And that's such, I mean, yeah, such good advice to be transparent and and clear. Well, you know, it is a GDPR. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't make that up. No, no, but but it's 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 still good advice. Um, I I'd like to add one thing um, that often when when something goes wrong, that's an important um, point in time for companies and businesses to build trust. Um, because if we have a if we have a breach or we have somebody questioning you, you were talking about um, DSARS. If we have somebody questioning what we're what we're doing i think that's a that's where you should be really sharp i'm saying this as an old um public relations guy (laughs) that that when that happens i think that's when we should be very transparent and, and very clear about things because actually people are prone to to trusting somebody who makes mistakes but corrects them and actually so so one of the things that i've been talking about is when you have a data breach it's not always that you have to tell the the data subjects uh, that you've breached but maybe you should do it just from a from a from a transparency uh point of view to make people trust you i know that i've given you this uh information and you'll take care of it and if you do something wrong with it I know you'll tell me. I think that's important as I well. I think it's a huge element. And I think it's one that's most over, it's, it's considered kind of a non-priority because you don't feel that it's customer facing, but it is. And it can, it can tank a business. I mean, we can look at the LastPass case, mm-hmm. right? How many people left LastPass because they just failed to communicate well. And um, it is so much... You know, it's proven in marketing over and over again that if you make mistakes, that's not going to kill you. It's how you handle those mistakes. And there's a classic thing in marketing, five-star, you know, if you have thousands of five-star reviews, no one's going to trust you because you had to mess up somewhere. So four and a half stars is better than five, right? And it's just that honesty and that and and being so clear and transparent about it does really help in building that trust and i think that's what we forget especially when you're the dpo or the legal team in a company that's the last thing you're thinking about you're worrying about a breach you're worrying about doing all taking care of all the steps that you need to making sure you're communicating the last thing you're doing at this point is saying oh let me check if my template is actually really clear and concise So it is something you need to do ahead of time, right? You need to sit down and figure out all your templates and make sure they're written nice and clean and and in the tone of voice for your customers to understand so that then when things hit the fan, you're ready to address that and still be clear. Yeah. 
as we said when I was in uh, politics, it's not the mistake that'll kill you, it's the cover-up. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I want, to, uh, I want to, to, uh, to pick your brain on the collaboration between marketing and privacy because um, I always or often hear privacy people sighing deeply whenever I mention marketing people and the other way around. Um, what are the, what are the uh, pitfalls in this collaboration? It's an interesting one, right? Because you're right, they both aren't too happy with each other most of the time. Um, I think it comes down to the fact that marketing is significantly impacted by a lot of the privacy regulation. So that is, they hmm. feel almost unfairly targeted, right? And, um, And another thing to know about marketing is that as tools uh, were profiling a lot more, tracking a lot more, collecting more data, there was a lot more automation happening that allowed the marketer, I don't want to say be lazy, but it did allow us to kind of sit back and say, oh, the tool will do it for us. And suddenly all of that got ripped out under us. On top of that, you have the more data focused markets, the technical marketers who are suddenly trying to figure out how to stop tracking, allow tracking, and work with the data and make sure that there is no personal data being sent to the wrong places. So there's a lot to suddenly tackle. And I mm. think all of that would have been okay if they felt supported, but they didn't feel supported. Yeah. <laughs> Meaning they were just said, this is the rule. These are the rules. We don't know what to do about them. Figure it out. So it took mm. very few marketers to have to really understand privacy to realize how to tackle it. Now, yeah. from the privacy end, it's hard to work with marketing. Marketing is constantly changing, constantly wants more data, constantly pushing the envelope, trying a new campaign, you know, trying to collect things across different areas. It doesn't work. And therefore, right. when the DPO or the legal team gets a constant stream of questions... What do you think they're going to do? It's just easier sometimes to be like, mm. give me time. No, I'm not in the mood for this. And all the, all the requests are coming from there. And they have plenty of other things to do. On top of that, most legal teams and DPOs are not so technically savvy. It doesn't come with the legal job. Um, that's changing slowly, right? Because there are a lot more people coming into privacy from other um, uh, industries. But it mm. is hard to understand what marketing is doing. It's hard to try and understand how the data is flowing and, and what's going on. Trying doing a data map with that tech stack can be confusing. So it mm. feels like there are demands on both sides that are never being met. And for me personally, I feel that if both of them could communicate better, there would actually be a huge amount of collaboration because the moment there's understanding, it's easier. And this is essentially what I do. Yeah. I act like a translator between both, right? Because I can talk legalese <laughs> yeah. and I can talk marketing. So they all want the same thing. Marketing doesn't inherently want to, you know, mess with people's data and be unsafe. And the legal team or the DPO want the same thing. It's just that they're not communicating in, mm. the, in each other's language. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's a tricky bit. <laughs> <clears throat> I, I've I've noticed something um, <clears throat> funny. I'm basically uh, I've I've always been been trained to to look at at stories, and I I think the 
the story that privacy people and marketing people are sort of telling themselves about this is basically the same one that um, growth is being impaired by privacy. I think a lot of marketing people would sign on to that and a lot of privacy people would sign on to it as as well. And, 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 and that's, I, I think that's also at the sort of at the core of, of the problem that, that that's sort of the outlook that a lot of them have. And I, I, th I think they need, you, you were talking about communication. I think that's, that's so right because we need to come up with a, with a common story that we can reach both the goals of marketing and the goals of privacy at the same time, that they're not sort of inherently uh, conflicting. Yeah, exactly. And, and it, it really just takes an open mind, understanding and communication. Like you said, I think we are actually all on the same page. Um, and, and sometimes it's also just understanding that something is out of your ballpark and bring in the help that you need to understand that. Mm. I think this is something that is quite tricky sometimes in today's society because people are expected <laughs> to know everything. And then you almost feel yeah. weak trying <laughs> to say, hey, I want to bring someone in. But that's not a sign of weakness, isn't it? That's a sign of strength because you know what your strengths are and that's where you will focus. And the moment you realize mm. I'm not getting all that data thing and all that new I know analytics stack that they want to put in and how do I tag that data? I don't understand that. Let me bring in a consultant who does understand both worlds and helps me with that bit. That is no threat to the legal team or the marketing team. It is mm. just saying yeah. we need a little help. And it's starting to slowly change, but the moment that change happens, then people can pull from their network of experts and then that communication barrier gets worked through, not by you needing to know everything, but by you having taken the step to learn or have the help that you need. Yeah. And, and a, apart from bringing in translators like you, <laughs> what could, what could uh, privacy and marketing do on the ground to, um, to, to, to try to get to work better? Together. Yeah. So to me, again, it comes down to communication. I feel like I'm saying the same thing over and over again. But what I usually tell marketing teams when I talk to them about how to work with privacy together is that the moment they start thinking about what they want to track, how they want to, you know, have certain campaigns function, what data they want to pull in, what they want to reuse, etc. I tell them to create a really clear document that their, you know, 10 year old could read not because I'm dumbing it down, but because it's marketing and there, is a, there are a lot of terms there that no one would understand unless they're in marketing. Make it really clear and run that by your legal team or DPO before you even get started. I think a mistake a lot of marketing teams do is that they set everything up and then they go for approval. And it doesn't yeah. allow the DPO or the legal team time to understand. And it also never gives them a chance to ask questions. So if you go ahead of time, yeah. like as you're planning and you go, this is roughly what we're looking at doing. Do you have any questions or do you any, see any red flags? You've immediately opened that conversation and the DPO can come back and say, wait, they just asked for my input. That makes a person feel good, right? So immediately yep. <laughs> they'll give input. And then that, that conversation started without anyone having to step in. There might be some bumps along the way because you might not understand everything that they're saying. But starting that conversation really early, the moment you're essentially coming up with an idea, is essential. 
you know, if the C-suite says we want to change this, involve them immediately. And it's same the other way yeah. around. If the DPOC, you know, does, let's say, a data mapping exercise or a risk assessment and sees issues, involve the marketing team from the beginning because the marketing team can help you understand how to reduce the risk, help you understand how to communicate. And you'll get them to be happy to talk with you. For example, we said it before, right? Data subject mm. access rights requests. If you went to your marketing team and said, this is what we send people, do you know a way for us to word this that's going to induce more trust and not take away from what we legally need to say? Then the marketing team suddenly looks at you as someone saying, wait, they're also thinking about the user or our customer or our client. And the moment they realize that we're all serving the same people, without anyone else coming in, you're going to have that conversation. And, and that's essential. Mm. I think you're absolutely right. And I, I, th I think that's the probably the most important thing both marketing and privacy can do. But, but from a marketing perspective, I think it's the most important thing they can do is involving them early because uh, I think that would actually um, change privacy from the um, yes-no department that Sometimes it is today when, when, when you finish everything and you go say, can we do this? They'll answer the question. If you go say, how can we do this? I think they will, marketing will also realize that, that they get a lot more help from marketing and that they, they maybe they can even um, go a bit further along the way that they would actually uh, like to, uh, to do um, I've I've seen some companies go even further than communicating early um and putting um putting somebody in marketing uh, uh being responsible for the actual uh processing activities that are there so that there's a there's a sort of centralized privacy function in which you have all the all the knowledge, but then you have somebody who works with this in the marketing department, maybe fifty percent of his or her time. And I've seen that 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 also works very well because you sort of tie the privacy much more to uh, to uh, to marketing. Yeah. That's that's just an an idea for maybe um, somewhat bigger. Uh, companies can probably can't and why not the small right ones. because it does it's it's the same as what we did a lot of business intelligence departments do this or analytics departments they put one person in each department why because your business your job is to serve every department so why not live in each department and yeah. it allows you to get some expertise within that department another thing that people exactly. really like to do is host a weekly or bi-weekly stand-up meeting from privacy and marketing so that you can just, you know, very casually say this, 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 and start that conversation early. So there are so many ways mm. to go around it. I think it just takes a little push internally to go. And again, it's one of those things, what do you prioritize? Who's going to push me to do this? It's another meeting or it's another thing to do. So <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. for me, what it always comes down to, and the way that most people understand it best, is that the moment you realize we're all serving the same user... That's the moment everything becomes easier. Um, mm, exactly. And that's what everyone is, right? I mean, the whole business ultimately is serving the same user. We all have the same goal. And granted, the DPO needs to activate independently, but the DPO is still serving the data subjects. 
And that's the user. Yeah. So they are serving the same people and they're just protecting different things or doing different things for that user. So work together. Mm. And the moment you realize that, it makes things so much easier. Yeah, that's so true. What is the one misconception marketing people have that gets in the way of utilizing the, uh, the power of privacy? I think the biggest misconception is that it's just a bunch of lawyers. They don't really care. <laughs> um, and I'm sure that's how it started, right? And, and in a lot of cases it is. But even if it is a bunch of lawyers, it doesn't mean they don't care. And I think that's what it comes down yeah. to. Um, but that's, yeah, marketers are just so used to hearing no and yes all the time. It's just another thing for approval. It's another thing that will get, <laughs> you know, we'll put the timelines down another six months. So yep. they are yeah. a complete blocker. And that's yeah. not a good, a good view. <laughs> <laughs> In addition, I think that, that we also need marketing on the GDPR and privacy laws itself, especially uh, the GDPR is, has a, 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 a worse reputation um, uh, than it deserves, a reputation that it deserves in, uh, in, in many places. I think we've used GDPR maybe too much to put up red tape. You can't do this because... GDPR. I mean, who hasn't called uh, a company and been told we can't do that because of GDPR? And sometimes it's true, often it's not. So I, th I also think that a lot of marketing people think that GDPR and privacy laws are actually worse than they are. I think that's a fair and, and comment. And that gets in the way of of even asking. <laughs> exactly. And I think it's right. But I think it is like with a lot of regulation that stick comes in. First thing we do is kind of overreach, right? So we're trying to compensate for all the bad yeah. we did 10 years before GDPR. So we're completely overcompensating. So it's easy to say GDPR this, GDPR that. But I mm. think slowly things will mellow out and slowly people will start looking at GDPR as you know, they might know the, the guiding principles of the GDPR, which immediately sets the tone of what we're actually trying to do. And it'll remember that the GDPR is there to protect someone's data, not say, no, you can't do that because that's an international data transfer. You know, uh, you know yeah. or you can't use Google Analytics because it might be accessible by the United States. So there are, mm. there are ways of... of acting towards regulation or regulation being portrayed. And like you said, the reputation is not there, but it is so normal <laughs> for it to happen, right? We go to an extreme and yeah. then we start mellowing out. And I'm, st I'm starting to, I'd love to know what you think about this, but I'm starting to see it kind of mellowing out and being a lot more balanced. I see that as well, that also from the privacy people that they're beginning to understand everything better. I mean, we have a, a tendency when, when we don't really get what is going on, when we don't understand the wordings and so on and so forth. We, especially the lawyers, they'll tend to be on the safe side and do the, what we in law school called um, CMA answers, uh, covering my ass answers, um, just saying no, because that's easier uh, or, or maybe being too uh, strict. And I'm, I'm, I'm seeing that sort of as well uh, being much better now. 
No, it's a good change. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good change. On the other, sort of the other, the flip side of that, what, what do, what do you think privacy people get wrong about marketing people that, that sort of prevents them from, from truly understanding marketing? I think there are a bunch of things that they can get wrong. It really depends <laughs> on the privacy person. If the privacy person comes from a legal background, a lot of times they just don't understand marketing and they only know what the media has fed them. Targeting, retargeting, yeah. you know, mm. taking advantage of the data, profiling it, selling it. Um, mm. But if someone comes from a different industry, then they have a very different view. So considering it's still mostly lawyers that are in privacy, this is the main issue is that they don't understand the purpose of marketing. To them, marketing means, you know, Google ads and Google analytics. Marketing is such a broad mm. topic. It's not just that. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's content, it's, write, it's writing, it's copywriting. It's just, there are so many elements that you're doing, and it's not all ads. You can have a marketing department and yeah. not even run a paid ad. Um, so there is a lot. I think just basically understanding what marketing is, and I'm only talking about digital marketing. If you really want to look at marketing, mm. marketing is such a broad topic. Um, and it is one yeah. thing that when privacy people ask me, what should I do about marketing? I tend to just put them in the direction of some of the foundational books that are out there or some of the more basic blogs that really cover marketing as a whole. Because the moment you look at yeah. it as a whole and you realize marketing is there to essentially make a potential customer or client aware of the company and then maybe an aid them or help them in understanding what you do so that they can purchase then you look at marketing very differently than when you think, oh, they're just pushing a bunch of ads at us. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a bit, it's a little bit like the technical side that, that if you are in privacy, you kind of need to understand the basics of the, of, of the technical side of things because otherwise you won't be able to, to uh, challenge the IT department exactly. or whomever. It's the same with... With marketing, if you think marketing is uh, uh, Google Analytics or retargeting, if that's what you've seen as a as an individual, then then you can't really talk to marketing about what else, what what other things could you do? Is this working? Is is tracking working as well as as um, uh, writing content or, or just just being sort of yeah having that broad perspective? I think that's that's important. For, um, for, for for privacy, also if they should be involved early, otherwise they won't be as great a sparring partner to marketing uh, being brought in early. Exactly, and that's the reason, right, to be brought in early, because when you're brought in early, it's still general terms. You're still saying, we want to bring this brand in front of this company, or we want to do this, for, and anyone can understand that. And if you have a base understanding, oh, we're trying to connect this with this, the moment you get that, then you can mm. start trying to understand even some of the technical things, but you've understood on a general what to do. And I think that's really important for anyone in privacy is to understand generally what they're trying to do and then aid the team in doing that without disrespecting the user's data. Yeah. So I th a, a conclusion could be that a good start is to sit down with a cup of coffee and and have a talk that is broader than just yes and exactly. no. Exactly. 
getting to know getting to know each other. <laughs> Start meeting for virtual coffees. <laughs> yeah, or even in person. What a concept, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> now, um, listeners and and those uh, watching, um, I'll I'll just hear when we're coming near to the uh, to the end of this interview. Uh, I'll, I'll, I need you to do one thing, and that's um, to go to um, to your webpage, Sivan. Sivan Solberg. I'll put a link because, as we talked about before starting the recording, uh, your first name is uh, somewhat difficult. Um, and then I need you to sign up for um, for Sivan's uh, newsletter. It says that it's for the smartest uh, privacy marketeers. However, I also think that this could be one of the sort of entry points for privacy people uh, to learn because you're going through the uh, the marketing stuff from a from a privacy uh, perspective instead of the other way around, which I I think is um, is quite uh, genius. So I think people should should go sign up for that newsletter. Thank you, thank you. And there is a shortcut you can use <laughs> just the letter S and then Solberg.com. It'll get you to the same place. Fantastic, Shuan. <laughs> now, where else can people? Uh, find you and just to, to sort of, yeah, when we're wrapping up, what is it that you normally help people do? Okay. So we'll do two things. Um, you can usually find me on LinkedIn. It's also a good place to find out what I do. Um, I'm more active on LinkedIn, but I'm also active on Twitter. Both of them, you can find me with my first and last name. Uh, my marketing agency is Raise with a Z. And uh, that's where I really focus on all the marketing things. And then my personal website is kind of my thoughts and writing, um, mostly privacy marketing related. What I do is mm -hmm. most of what we talked about just now, right? I provide that translation. But the other thing that I do a lot is I work with data teams who are implementing new um, data flows, systems, uh, analytics systems, and I help them understand where some of the risks are. So we do this, th uh, you know, we do some risk mapping, some permission checkpoints, and, and we overlay that on customer journey maps to just really understand with the DPO of a company where the risks are, what the risks are, and then how do we tag the data that goes through there so that we can also help grow in the future so that we know how to adjust it in the future. So this is all I do. I don't do any of the classic DPO stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that's um that's really important work getting marketing and privacy to understand each other and actually getting into uh sort of the nuts and bolts of what is what is actually happening in that marketing uh machine also from a from a from a privacy perspective Sivan, thank you very much for um for uh, coming in today and 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 giving us your uh, your thoughts on on this sometimes electric intersection between uh, privacy and marketing. Thank, Thank you, very you much. Jacob. You've been listening to Sustainable Compliance by Wide Relations. Hit subscribe for more.